All right. Three, two, one, cue the music and go. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. I'm Chad McCool and join with me as, as always. English is hard. I got to get those words. Let's start just, over. <laughs> did you just stub your toe? <laughs> now, always. Let's, let's start over. Three, two, one, cue the music and go. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. I'm Chad McCool and joined with me as always is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow, down there in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. What's going on, Andy? You know, one of these times, just some for behind the scenes, uh, every time we say we're going to get ready and then we have another 10 minute conversation and we're like, <laughs> all right, let's. Let's reel it back in, and then the, uh, I I mute my mic so I can cough. Uh, it's like a nervous tick I have as I cough, so that's probably why you hear me uh, cough or random pop like right then, because um, I'll mute my mic and I'll cough. And but then Chadwick, while I'm coughed, he'll go ready three, two, one, cue the music, and there's a pause. One of these times, I'm just going to come on and be like, wow, um, Bill the Hillbilly and the Hipster. Do it. And just be. completely, completely take us further off the rails than we already are. Yeah, all those, uh, the the 10 minutes of we're going to do this now, um, that's in a secret folder I have called Blackmail Fodder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just directed at you in case I decide <laughs> to blackmail myself. I need I need access to this folder. You do. That's the beauty of. <laughs> oh, do I have access already, and just don't um, realize it? Yeah, that that folder doesn't exist. I'm lying. <laughs> and did my voice just shoot up like four octaves? Am I going through puberty? You might be. <laughs> about time. <laughs> so, anything fun happened to you this week, Chadwick? <laughs> right, because right. i i had i had an experience this week no i've had a i've had a pretty slow week i've had some character assassination but that wasn't necessarily fun it's not fun nor it's just a, just another day in ministry i was about to say it is wednesday so that that tracks so earlier this week well let's 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 rewind like two weeks ago i go to the dentist it's the first time at this dentist uh, here in Owensboro, I know I've been here for a while. Don't judge me. Uh, it's first time with this dentist, and uh, they're trying to they're trying to take X rays in my head. It's a fat head, and I'm a big dude anyway. Although I've lost weight, which is cool. Um, like I have to turn a particular angle to fit in my head into this X ray machine, and she's like, "Just don't move and look forward, and it's going to rotate your head." And she's like, "And I'm." Pretty sure it's not going to hit you. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to take that. Like it's expandable. You've just not had somebody my size in there, I guess. And so she, like, I guess they all hold their breath and it, it doesn't hit me, but my golly, it's close. <laughs> and then they set me down and they shove some stuff in my mouth and they bring this little portable x-ray machine right up to me and they shoot me with all this radiation. But it's okay, it's not going to affect me, because I have a, a lead vest covering my chest. That's right. Never mind, they're shooting it directly into my head. Like, I don't have a lot to give up there, so go easy on me, honey. And so, she's like, man, there's this shadowy place. I'm sure it's fine. And I was like, do I have the, like, the elephant boneyard? You have Sheol. From the Lion King in my mouth? You have Sheol in your mouth? I guess. And so she's like cleaning my teeth and, and there's some things that were said that I won't repeat because it just makes me look bad and I'm not in that business. Um, and then the dentist comes in. He's like, man, your teeth look really good. Did you have braces? And I was like, nope, never. Which is ironic. I probably, you know, everybody else in, in my class did, but I, I did not. He's like, well, we'll see you in six months. And she's like, wait a minute, doctor. There's the shadowy area. And I was like, you said you weren't even going to worry about it. Now, there's this 70-year-old man in the room next to me. He has a cavity. And they're like, all right, well, you can decide whether or not you want to have it dealt with. Me? There's no choice. They're like, we'll see you in two weeks. We're going to fill that bad boy. And it's on my top left. That's you all had, I know. You had better insurance than he did. That's why. I, I guess. I don't know. And so, and Chad can tell you, 
I was a nervous wreck. I haven't had a feeling since I was like six. Um, I was not, I was not excited about this, although I don't know who gets excited. And so I come in and they're like, do you want nitrous? And for those of you that don't know, like myself, uh, nitrous is laughing gas. And I was like, ah, you know, uh, my wife said I probably should. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? It's I'm going to be a man. I'm No gas. I'm a man. Let's just do this. Yeah. And so that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, she's going to think I'm less of a man if I say yes. I'm like, ah. And she's like, I'll just give it to you. And if you don't like the way it feels, then we'll take it off. And in my head, I'm like, oh, honey, I'm going to like the way it feels. Right. So she flaps this thing on my nose and she cranks it. And then the doctor comes in and puts this numbing gel before he gives me a shot. And the whole time, I'm, like, sucking this in, right? And I was like, I don't feel a thing. And they turn the radio on. And about the time they turn the radio on, and I say in my head, I, nothing feels different, a switch was flipped in my head. And Amarillo by morning was on the radio. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. And I bust out giggling like a child and can't stop singing. I'm just, I'm putting on a little concert. And then the dentist comes in and he whips out this giant needle and he. And then Alan Jackson comes on and I was like, oh, the hits keep coming. <laughs> well, I before know, like, you said know, Alan like... Jackson, you did blip for a second. <laughs> so. Oh, so I'm just, I'm just, you were I'm singing, just singing Amarillo by morning. You were yeah. singing. And then I'm Alan just, Jackson I'm singing and on. dancing. And then Alan Jackson came on. I was like, oh baby, the hits just keep coming. And I'm just, yeah. And then the doctor's finally like, sir, I need you to be still <laughs> and open your mouth. And I was like, my mouth is open, dude. My mouth is barely open. And so he just like takes it and opens it for me. And he was like, there you go. It's kind of embarrassing and then like as i'm coming down because essentially they got me high right and so as i'm coming down they're complaining or the 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 lady that I don't, is it a hygienist that helps with that or is it i think they're dental special? assistants hygienist i don't know what the act the title is anymore. anyway well the lady that was in there with me she was like she's very pregnant she was a very sweet lady um and she was you know complaining in, in a haha way not not angrily complaining that the ladies up front are mad because she turned the heat down because of their cold. Well, me and her are both burning up. Yeah. The only thing that we have in common is she's Mondo pregnant and I'm Mondo fat. Okay. So we're going to get hot and I'm, I'm coming down from this and I, I don't have much of a filter anyway. I'm sure y'all didn't know this, but I don't have much of a filter anyway. You put me on nitrous. I'll say whatever I'm thinking, which is terrifying. And my response to her was to go, go tell them to shush and eat a sandwich. They'll be fine. <laughs> we need to get some nitrous for, uh, we need an Andy on nitrous episode. I'll make a phone call to my dentist, see if he can hook us up. If there, if there are any dentists we have out there in Dumpster Fire Nation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I talked about it to uh, to my, this this podcast to my original hygienist and the doctor heard, so I don't know, maybe maybe Dr. Ward's listening. By the way, if you're in the Orangeboro area and you're looking for a dentist, Dr. Ward, 10 out of 10, would or, recommend. Or maybe um, Keith will go to that dentist and he'll Keith. hype us up. Keith! Like the bank teller. Go go to Dr. Ward's office. Worth it. Good dude. Good. I got a hat. He gave me a hat. Usually you just get the toothbrush and the... Uh, the thing of floss. My dentist doesn't even give the toothbrush anymore. Thanks, Biden. Really? <laughs> I don't know how they do it in liberal country, but here in here in the Commonwealth and the bluegrass, I got I got I got dental floss and and a, and a toothbrush. And I, I used to toothpaste. Yeah, I used to. I don't get a little baggie, and then mm -hmm. she's like, "Oh, we have some promotional items. Would you like a a phone wallet? And it's this little thing you stick on the back of your phone oh, yeah. and your cards, but it's a pop it. Oh yeah, that's what I have. So uh, I'm going to give that to, to my oldest as soon as I figure out where I put it. I think it's still in my truck. And I got a hat. They gave me a hat. It says Ward Family Dentistry. Nice. I haven't wore it yet. Well, you could wear it when you go down to the Hardee's to have coffee with the, the movers and shakers in town. <laughs> I guess. 
anyway, that's my story. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack and, the. And you're sticking to it. That, but it was uh, it was a fun experience, and then you know it hurt like a mother later on. <laughs> the beginning of the day was entertaining. Yeah, I, I next time you need to have somebody go with you and just we. I need to see video. So, doctor wife went with me when I got my wisdom teeth cut out. Yeah. And she was sitting in the lobby because they wouldn't let her go back. And they they put the nitrous on me. And again, I was like, nothing's happening. And my phone rings. And so I go to pick up my phone. I'm laying up facing the ceiling. I hold my phone over my face. And then my arms just, I, I don't have arms. So I drop my phone and it cracks me in between the eyes. And I start cracking up laughing. I bet I laugh for 20 minutes and they couldn't get me to shut up. I'm a good time high. And by high, I mean on on <laughs> nitrous. In the dentist office. In an appropriate setting. That's right. In an appropriate setting. Don't try this at home, kids. I am a professional. Well, speaking of professionals, Andy, let's talk about some professional blacksmithing. And blacksmith apparel. St. Galgano, if you didn't know, now you do. St. Galgano is our sponsor. He is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. Each item is a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Galgano Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount. That's why they use the finest materials to take pride in their craftsmanship. Their products are not only beautiful, but very functional. Portion of all sales goes back into the community. So I'm going to ask you, Chad, why would you settle for mass-produced items when you can have a one-of-a-kind hand-forged unique item and help out your community at the same time? I don't know. So I'm not settling. The- I'm looking at my hooks right now, and I'm like, they look mighty fine here. I'm, I'm at the church today. We uh, we do not settle for, for off-brand stuff. We want... St. Gagano here on the show. Uh, so you can visit his shop at stgaganoarmory.etsy.com today. He's also on all of the platforms. He's on uh, Facebook and X. And now, now, I gotta turn my volume down, is and on his favorite. TikTok. He's on the TikTok. And uh, as soon as I get my stuff pulled up, I'll tell you exactly his name. Well, he's on X and TikTok at St. Gagano Armory. And he's on Instagram at Saint underscore Galgano underscore Armory. And check out the Instagram because he's doing the the dibs. All he's going to post pictures of some custom pieces he's making, and you can call dibs. Um, and there's no uh, no commitment. You've, when he's done, he'll show you the piece. And if you don't want it, he'll just move on to whomever's down the line, whomever else called dibs. But you can call dibs. On, we've on seen the uh, we've seen making. some behind the the curtain action of some of the stuff for dibs. Uh, it they're they're nice stuff. Yeah, the flowers he's doing for Valentine's Day those look those look pretty nice. Yep, highly highly recommend because get your wife something that won't die, just like your love for her. <laughs> That's right, Sandy. I think we have one thing in common. I mean, we have a lot of things in common. I'd say but... I, if, if we only have one, this this podcast will last longer than it should have. But we have which uh, realistically, let's be honest, this <laughs> podcast has lasted longer than it should have anyway. <laughs> uh, um it's it's Appalachistan that keeps us going. Ooh, yeah, because if we don't put them out right when he thinks they should, he's coming for it. It's not what and, he thinks he should, it's the it's what we've well, it, yeah, it's what but he thinks they should come out had. when based on the expectation we set. And you know what? I'm here for it. If you want to, you know, bust our chops because it's my fault because we're being lazy, I think bust our chops. And by our chops, I mean chance. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, I'm, I'm lazy. So we recorded on time last week and I didn't drop until Monday. Well, <laughs> in my defense, I had a funeral to do oh, and a graveside. Uh, so that took up some of my time. Uh, excuses, Chadwick, <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> But I think the one thing we have in common from our childhoods are um, we spent a lot of time and and for me lived for a season or two or three with our grandparents. Um, you with both your grandparents, your grandmother and grandfather, when they were alive together, my, my grandfather died 
way before I was born. So for me, it was my grandmother. And the one thing, like growing up in my grandmother's house, the radio was constantly on. And even when the when the Yankees were playing, they'd be on on the TV, probably with the sound down and the radio would still be on. And there could be multiple radios on, depending on what room you were yeah, in. And, and baseball is always better on the radio than the TV broadcast. Yeah, generally. And uh, yeah, generally, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times. And at some point in the like the early 80s, Bobby Mercer, who played for the Yankees, moved to the booth and she loved Bobby Mercer. So that was all as long as he was on the radio calling, you know, doing color or whatever. But the radio was always on. And if it wasn't a Yankee game, it was like a, a classic country AM station or talk radio, except Saturday. Saturdays was this big band radio station that only played Frank Sinatra. But it was always talk radio. And there would be this who, one who, guy. Who's that? That's right. We still haven't. Uh, we, <laughs> he, I'm going to make you listen to Frank Sinatra and watch Rocky. I've got a plan for you to watch Rocky. Well, come on, man. <laughs> but there's this one guy that would come on. You, you know who Paul Harvey is? Well, I have a great Paul Harvey story. So seventh grade Andy didn't always pay attention in school. That that might shock some of you. If you saw my transcripts, it would not shock you. That's not the point. Um, and so my history teacher, and I, I her name was Miss Miss Bit Miss Bitters. Yeah, yeah, Miss Bitters. She was old, dude. Like, but she 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 was my science and history teacher. She loved Bill Nye, and like that was I was pretty sure if Bill Nye showed up, she'd run off with him and we'd never see her again. She set her hair on fire like the third day of school. She was awesome. Um, but I was halfway paying attention, and she said, and I quote, Who knows about Pearl Harbor? And my hand shot up. And she was like, Andy, what do you know about Pearl Harbor? And you would think after the second time she said it, it would clue me in that I didn't hear right. And I said, he's that guy that I listened to with my memo on the radio. You know, the rest of the story. <laughs> and Miss Bitters and Miss Cummings, who was the teacher's aide in that class, just dropped their head in the most amount of shame possible. Didn't tell me I was wrong. They just went on with the lesson. Like, I didn't talk. <laughs> they just forget about Andy. Like, I don't know who Andy is. Who told you to come to this class? I think you should be a math or... Uh, History is my best subject, too. But that was his signature ending phrase, right? Now you know the rest now of the story. Now you know the rest of the story. Man, I used to listen to, to Paul in the truck with Papaw when I'd go with him in the big truck. Uh, at least that's what I called it. I think the technical term is an eighteen wheeler, and and I semi. I think if you're over, maybe thirty, but definitely thirty five in this country, you've heard him. Whether you know who we're talking about or not, you've heard him. He had a very distinct voice. Um, he would give you a date. I, I think at some point he had this iconic radio career, but by the time we were hearing him, he was just kind of snippets on the radio. He'd, they'd let him run for like five or six minutes and he'd give a commentary on a story or, you know, on a, on a news story or tell a story. But in 19... 19- yeah, I, uh, I was convinced as a kid that him and Bob Barker had to be related. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he looked like, but in my head, listening to him, he looked like a fat Bob Barker. <laughs> he had a face for radio? Well, no, I mean, Bob Barker's a good looking dude. Well, I mean, Paul Harvey, I don't know. I don't, I don't I know just, what Paul Harvey looks like. I assumed he was a fat Bob Barker, and they got together for the holidays. Well, he died in 2009. Paul Harvey died in 2009. R.I.P. But he had a very he had a very distinctive voice. He was a great storyteller. And um, in 1965, he uh, he gives this famous monologue called "If I Were the Devil," and really, it's a he gives it as a, a commentary on those on the societal issues that he observed um, during his time and, and basically in the mid 60s. And I, you know, somehow I, I heard this again a couple of weeks ago and then I sent it to you and I thought maybe we'd talk about it because even though he he gives this monologue in 1965 for the things he's seeing then and man, it is so ripe for today. And so if you will allow me to hear humor you, um, here's the text. 
underscore Paul Harvey's If I Were the Devil. If I were the devil, I mean, if I were the prince of darkness, I would, of course, want to engulf the whole earth in darkness. I would have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I would not be happy until I had seized the ripest apple in the tree. So I should, I should set about however necessary to take over the United States. I would begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince the children that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confine that what's bad is good and what's good is square. It's a very 1960s word. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I tranquilized the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each, in its turn, was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellect, but neglect to discipline emotions. I'd tell teachers to let those students run wild, and before you knew it, You'd have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. With a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. Or I'm sorry, and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I would take from those who have and I would give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. I mean, if if we have never heard anything more spot on, like that's some Nostradamus level prophecy right there. I mean, excluding like two phrases, which are definitely of a an older gentleman from the 60s right the uh the the square and you know and there was something else but definitely you know that it was square that that you know that yeah you would not it this could be verbatim for today you could reverse you could replace tv with you know tiktok or social media whatever um but yeah it's uh i mean there's a it's heartbreaking it is god it really is and it's incredibly profound because, you know, Paul Harvey and what, what we know, I think those of us as true followers of Christ, we know that that cultural deception is the devil's primary strategy to lead people away from truth and righteousness, from God's truth and righteousness. And I would say, you see any cultural deception going on today? <laughs> is, that, is that a real question? I just need to know how I'm supposed to answer that. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, right? The, what he says, right? What, what's good is bad. What's bad is good or square. <laughs> Since I'm the elder statesman of the podcast, yeah, I'm going to start using square. I like it, man. I think we should talk like that anyway. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I wish I had that up in front of me so I could have read along with it. Um, Cause there's so much in there that I want to unpack. Yeah. But I just I just texted it to you. Awesome. So it's the joys of not being in the same studio. Um Shh, the illusion we are in the same studio. <laughs> You're right next to me. That's 
well on my screen we are um so yeah let's just let's go through this a little pieces at a time you know you'd you'd whisper to eve do as you please and you you'd go through with whispers i mean that's been going on since before i became an adult well that's been going on since the fall you know that's been going on since the garden you right know, from but, that, that first time but i feel like my generation especially like my parent and I, I love my mother right and and after i met my dad i i loved him right um but when I was a kid, there was there was way more of I'm gonna be your buddy, not your parent. Um that that yeah, that I would say for you. And I think you, that, that happened that was a lot trendy. in my generation. It yeah, was very that, trendy. That definitely came. So I, I'm from the the latchkey kid generation, like that started mm-hmm. at where our parents just basically let us fend for ourselves. Yeah. Um and then you being a millennial, you know, even though you're at the the I'm a zennial, sir. I'm a subgroup. Are you? You're, you're an older millennial. What's a zennial? You're, oh, X between X and the millennials? Yeah, it's like 1981 to 84. You're, as a true generation Xer, you're not X. You're a millennial. I'm just going to hold I it. Didn't say I, I didn't say I was Gen X. I'm, an, I'm a gapper. But right, but no, your, I, your generation's I, I for the long the, time said I'm an, I'm an old millennial. Yeah, your generation's the buddy. Yeah, yeah you're my buddy. And, and and then you know now that my generation is having kids, we go really hard in one of two directions. We're either overly friendly or we're overly strict. And if you ask my kids, I am overly strict. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was do what you want and ask permission, or I mean, forgiveness later, because there wasn't a lot of a lot of you know as long as I didn't kill anybody, and I wasn't drunk on the weekends. And I never drank till I was 21. I did about everything else. But I never drank till I was 21. Um, there was no consequences. Other than, you know, oh, you're grounded. What does that mean? I get to sit at home and play video games? and. Well, and I think we see that. Like, not just that, that deception in culture, right? The, this upside down world. But then there's... There's the complete subversion of values. It's interesting. Like he talked about, you're going to have entire states promoting gambling. And this is like, you know, Vegas was was around, you know, in, in, at that point in time in the mid 60s. But now, like, have you watched an NFL game? NFL games are now brought to you by gambling, which is basically underwriting the entire league. And I oh, think absolutely. It, I think if you if you if you question what happened in that Cowboys Lions game a few weeks back, a few weeks back. Wonder who had don't more bring money that up. Don't bring that up because you're gonna send Keith into a frenzy. I think it's got you know, so the NFL is underwritten by gambling and pharmaceutical companies. That's so, all it is. So let's let's look at this paragraph. Um I, I've skipped a little bit. Um I'd organize, I've had I'd educate authors to have lurid literature, uh exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting i'd peddle narcotics to whom i could and sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction and tranquilize the rest with pills (laughs) that's society now it is even if you're not hooked on any of those things right like you're still you have some kind of an elixir going on, whether it's social media, it's your phone. There's, it doesn't even but, have to be narcotics. But even those things, mm-hmm. let's say I'm not affected by that because I, you know, I don't drink, and the only medicine I'm on is what I'm, you know, is for an ailment. I'm not hooked on anything. But it's what is it, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yes, sir. I I would venture to guess that we'll we'll knock that down to three or four. I'm I'm two degrees. From Kevin Bacon, so you're three. But I would knock that down and say you're you're three or four degrees away from somebody. Yeah, who is an alcoholic? You're three or four ways. Oh, he's uh, degrees away from somebody who's hooked on some sort of pill or some sort of narcotic. You're three or four away uh, degrees away from somebody who has some vice in their life that is destroying their family, I whether mean, they realize it or not. Pills, alcohol. 
uh, other drugs, social media, pornography, pornography. gambling. Pornography is huge. And I think we're closer to that than what we realize. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say um, one of the number one destroyers of family has a link to pornography. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's just the it may not be the it. it may not be the whole cause, but it's got roots. But the access to it now is just, I mean, oh, it's it, unreal. It, it's it's in our pockets. I, you know, my my kids are young. They don't even look at girls in that way, and they don't. I don't think they exactly know what it is. No, but they but, have, but but it's marketed to them, which uh-huh. annoys me. And your kids are now. They're now old enough that like they're on tablets and phones. And so in my head, I'm like, I got to be checking their phones more often because I don't want them to stumble across something or be sent to them by somebody else. Yeah. And and your kids right now, not to like blow your mind, but I'm sure you're aware of this, right? Your kids are now the target age of when they first see it. They're actually a little bit older now. Like it's eight to 10 years old is now when kids, both boys and girls, um, are experiencing or 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 seeing pornography for the first time well i mean and some of that is pushed on them unbeknownst like my my 10 year old has a girlfriend he didn't even know what a girlfriend means but he's got one and they hold hands in after school just like i'm gonna get in a lot of i'm gonna get in so much trouble (laughs) saying that so sun trust is just like travis kelsey and taylor swift yeah yeah and and now me and him are gonna have bad blood when he hears this. Here's my Taylor Swift. Right. He'll, he'll just shake it off. Hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I can't go on further. That's all I know. That well, good because that was the last one I had. Um, but let's look at let's look at the the organize and educate. It says the authors, but you could you could put teachers in there. I have not turned on the news in the last two to three years and there not been something about a teacher-student relationship. Yeah, and, and, and beyond the relationship, it's sort of the, you know, and I, I while it wasn't as strong as it, for me, as it was today, as it is today, um, I could go back and, you know, I can't see like when we were in high school or college that we'd be like protesting, you know, uh, Israel. You no, know, man, when I was in high school and when I was in, so I was in high school when 9-11 happened. Okay. I was devastated by those acts. I was, I was highly emotional about it because I knew that there were people dying for no good reason. Right. Um, I was on the school news team. Um, and so it was it was my day to anchor the school news. And so me and me and a, a buddy of mine, um, Kevin, we were the lead anchors that day. And like we were breaking news as soon as it would come across Fox or ABC or whatever. CNN, like they put it on the desk as we're reading school announcements and we're giving these details of what was going on. And so, yeah. But I never protested and wanted war for this or wanted to stop this. I was a teenager. You have like, I think I'm going to botch it, but I think it's like one in four. It's either 25% or 20% of like high school age kids now see Osama bin Laden in a positive light. Yeah. That 9-11 was justified. Yeah. But and I could not imagine being in school and students protesting Israel or protesting Hamas because I hate to or break support it, supporting Hamas or supporting Hamas. Yeah, we should have yeah. been protesting Hamas, but kids shouldn't. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, grade schoolers that sh- they shouldn't. And and yeah. you might disagree, and I'll fight you on it. <laughs> but I, like, I forgot Turner comes up to me. Turner's ten. And I don't like to use his name, but then I slip, so we'll just go ahead and do it. Turner's 10, okay? And he comes up, and he's starting to ask questions about Hamas and Israel and this and that. It's like, you, you don't need to worry about that. Sure. No, and they shouldn't. And I don't I don't think, I don't know. And then I'm I've not got, saying your kids are getting this, but you have a no. whole slew of kids who have been taught now 
you know, and, and may have subvertly started when you were in school, but you've got generations now that they're being taught that America's the devil. Yes. That the United yes. States, you know, I have so people that I went to high school with and college with who are teachers now that if I found out that my kid was in their class, I would pull them because I send my kids to school for an education, not for political indoctrination. Right. And if you if I tell you day after day, right, so if we live, pick a town, pick a town, any town. We'll go back to Terre Haute. All right. So, so we'll go to Terre Haute. Right. So if, if I'm your father. And I, I guess mathematically, Papa Chad. Papa so Chad. If, if I'm your father and we're, we're, you're born and raised in Terre Haute, we live in Terre Haute. And every day I tell you how Terre Haute is garbage. Terre Haute stinks. It's garbage. It's the worst place. There is nothing good here. Nothing good here. Nothing good here. I can't, I can't, you know, the, the pork tenderloin sandwich that you could go get on Wabash Avenue. You don't want that, right? I don't talk, I don't tell you about any of the bright spots. As, as a matter of fact, I I do want that pork tenderloin sandwich. But I mean, if but if I've told you every day oh, it's at, trash, yeah. no, I got when you go from. get the pork tenderloin sandwich it's and they give you napkins and everything like that, are you gonna look for a trash can when you eat it, or you're just gonna drop it there on the sidewalk? Because you don't care because it's garbage. And I've mm -hmm. trained you to think it's garbage. And it's the same thing that I think that a lot of the powers that be are doing to now multiple generations that America is trash. America is trash. Like, you know, hate this country. It's the, you know, uh, you know, the, the there's nothing. Good. And then if you trash America and you trash God, and I'm not saying that they go hand in hand. But I think about the same thing that, you know, when I go back to, you know, we we think that every good gift comes from God and somebody's going to quick to tell you, like, God didn't help you with that. You did that on yourself. And then somebody's oh, yeah. going to teach you, well, you didn't do that on yourself. The government did that for you. Like, worship the government. Like, the government's yeah. your the government's your sugar daddy. You know, we uh, again, this is in, what, 1965? Is that? 1965, that he gave this yeah. monologue. So then let's let's skip down a little bit. <clears throat> you know, teachers would let students run wild. Have you have you seen classrooms lately? I mean, I haven't uh, been in a school for a while. I've seen videos or I've heard stories, but I mean, even when I was subbing, you know, I was a full-time sub in, you know, and the stuff that I saw go on in the school like and this is a while ago blew my mind. I was completely I, naive. I subbed in a middle school middle school in Terre Haute and the things that the, the students are talking about sometimes with teachers and the the things that they're doing I wasn't talking about or doing until college I would and I still wouldn't know what to talk about sometimes no I look I had kids come up to me and they're like hey uh Mr. Mr. Crow um, so, so-and-so said this, I don't know what this means. Could you explain it to me? And like, I'd lose all color. I'd be embarrassed. And I was like, no, no, can't explain that to you. Sorry. I'd hear noises coming from the bathroom. So I'd walk in the student bathroom and have to pull students off of each other. These kids were in sixth and seventh grade. Yeah. What are we doing? Well, ultimately, I think this goes back to the garden. This goes back to Genesis 3, right? The devil's, oh, it absolutely does. The, the devil's plan, since he whispered in Eve's ear, is to undermine the family, to undermine God's plan for us, to undermine the family. And this has been this has been showcased throughout time. And 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 I'm gonna uh I'll wear the I'll wear the patriarchy hat today. I mean, I, I do believe that this has been this has been lied to the generations as the glass ceiling being broken and that, you know, so that they've undermined women who stay home, right, who are homemakers. And there's nothing wrong with with working and having a career as a woman. There's nothing wrong with staying home and no, raising both, your children. Both of our wives, both of our wives work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying that. But the thing is that they manipulated the economy to force us to have to have two incomes because everything is so expensive that even if you wanted, you know, your wife 
to stay home and, and you know, and, and raise children and, and sort of in that traditional, the old school traditional way, it's a near impossibility for most of us because mm -hmm. they, it's impossible to survive. And they've done that. And then so when you get tired of that, then this creation of no fault divorce, where I could just say, you know what? I really don't like your eye color anymore. I'm out of here. Or yeah, we I really don't believe in God anymore. And I don't want to be, you know, married to a pastor. So I'm out of here. You know, those are just, uh, there's no real well, viability I, for it. So here, here's the deal. Let's look at that. Let's look at divorce. Divorce rates are sky high because we've made it too easy to get divorced. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that is 100% true. But let me, let me take it a step further. You ready? Can I, can I blow your mind, if you Go will? Go for it. I think we've made it too easy to get married. You have to go to the courthouse. Oh, yeah. In, no, we remove in, in God from marriage. Marriage is, in, a, is a contract. In Kentucky. Okay. In Kentucky. Um, you have to go to the courthouse. You have to answer a few questions. Um, one of the questions that me and I, a doctor wife had to answer was, are we related? Yeah, we got married in Kentucky, so that makes sense. Um, well, they used to get blood tests for that. Yeah, we, we don't do that anymore. But and then you you drop however much money it is for the license. I want to say it was like fifty bucks, if that. Doctor wife can tell you the exact amount because God knows she remembers. But you drop the check and they're like, "All right, here's your marriage license," and then you find some fool to sign it. Right, and then boom, you're married. Do you need witnesses in Kentucky? Yeah, yeah, you need witnesses. So Colorado will one up you because all you have to do is go to the county clerk's office. I think it's $35, get your license, um, and basically just have it sent back to them within like uh, I don't know, it's 60 days from when you get it. And you don't need witnesses. You can actually self-witness in Colorado and you don't need an officiant. Colorado's got a sweet deal that they, they are not marketing this well because and that, I know this is against, I don't think they should do this, but it's easier to get married in Colorado than it is in Vegas. The only thing Vegas has is like the 24 hour license office. Yeah. So like Dr. Wife and I went and we were, we were young when we got married. I was 22, I think when we got married. Yeah. Um, And, and she's older than me, so I won't give her age, but I was 22. She was 32. Um, she was 57. Uh, ooh, we're both in trouble we're for both that getting, one. We're both getting stabbed. I'm sorry. Uh, no, say, I did it in a loving way. She wasn't that much. She's not that much older. No. But still, um, you know, and so like, and I remember my grandparents loved, loved Dr. Wife. Like I, the, the joke in my family was if you, if you wanted Memo and Pepal to agree to something, you'd send Andy to go ask because Memo had a soft spot for me. Lived with them till I was eight. Everybody joked I was their favorite kid. I wasn't even their kid. I was the grandkid. Right. And so, like, I remember one Sunday sitting in church, my, and, and I'm, I'm, no, I'm taking the long way. Welcome to life as Andy. Uh, I remember one Sunday sitting in church and my mom leaned over to Memo and was like, Hey, do you want to go get, you know, lunch after church? And I was like, No, nah, we'll just go meet sandwiches. Next thing I know, my aunt and my mom are leaning over, like, Hey, go ask Papa if he wants to go get Chinese food after after church. Hey, hey, Pat. So I just lean over because Memo sat in between me and Pepal because we would get in trouble because we were both at the same maturity level. Like we would pay attention, but we just crack jokes. And so I put my arm around Memo and and poked him and he he leaned back and I was like, you know, made the food no motion after for after church. And he leans over to Memo and goes, oh, I think we should get Chinese after lunch. And she's like, she leans over to me and she's like, hey, we're going to go get Chinese after lunch. So I just look over at mom and my aunt and I'm like, hey. <laughs> but so the joke was I was a favorite and I was told, you know, you may jokingly think that you're the favorite, Andy, but now that Ashley's in the picture, you're not. Mm -hmm. And then when Turner was born, it was made abundantly clear to me that I was nowhere near the top of that mountain anymore. But so they they loved Ashley and they even said, like, are you sure this is y'all are young? I was like, no, 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 we've got this. We've got this. And and luckily we have. I'm not saying it's always been easy. 
No, marriage isn't. But you're, I think you're right. It is too easy. And, and once I think once you've removed the church from it, right, that because it's so easy, like I we you can get married anywhere you want. Yeah, and we and we had a religious ceremony. Like we're right. both obviously religious, if you will, people. Um, but it's so easy. What and all this to say, it's so easy to get married. And then you have you have uh, pastors, especially youth pastors. I'll throw myself under the bus. Where we don't really teach about relationships, we teach right. about don't have sex. Sure. Right. And so we preach purity culture and that's come under fire here of late, but I think there's better ways to do it than what we had. And so you have all these kids scared to death that if they have sex, they're going to hell. So they're going to wait till they get married, but they're going to find that one person at 18 that they can halfway stand and they think is going to be good for what they want. They rush, they get married. And then in six months, it's like, it's not that great. Well, and now you, you can just maybe this episode you, isn't for kids. You can just throw you could just throw it away now. You yeah, know, it's... and so like I, I told a buddy of mine one time, me and his mom were talking to him, and we're like, "Hey, you're making a, a you know, if you count the cost of the wedding that you're going to have and the divorce that you're going to have in three years, you're making about a five to six thousand dollars mistake." I saw that before they even got married. I didn't know her very well, but I knew. Um. And then come to find out it was a three to six thousand dollar mistake. Now he has a kid now by that woman, uh beautiful child, love that child. So to say it was a mistake or not, I don't know. But we've made getting married way too easy. We've made getting divorced even easier. Right. And and, and so, I want to just say this like there are there are I, I believe God looks upon certain divorces and there are appropriate times and situations to get divorced. This isn't just cut and run. You know, there, there, there are legitimate reasons to get divorced, but now, and and so you're, you're absolutely right. Right. Made marriage easy, made divorce easy. And now it's to the point where, well, everything, you know, you do you, (laughs) everything that feels good is good. So marriage is just this archaic, right. We've, we've taken, you know, and again, you know, we've heard for years and years and years, right? You can't legislate morality. You obviously can legislate morality. It's whose morality, right? You know, whose morality you're going to accept? And so, when you've eroded, when you've accepted behaviors and and you know what's good is bad and what's bad is good, and you've thrown what we've taken as traditional values and just thrown them out the window because you know um, anything that contradicts biblical principles is the way to go, right? So just throw the Bible out. It's archaic. Throw God's word out. It's archaic. Um, just you, you do you. You know, and I, I had a man, you know, in my church, you know, who was revered by a lot of the men in the church who, you know, left his wife to go live with a woman who was probably younger than his daughter. And, you know, his argument to me when I removed him from some leadership or some ministerial things that he was doing was, well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to follow my heart. I prayed for this and God told me to follow my heart. And this is where my heart is. And I was like, nah, it's your heart did not point you there. Neither did God. Well, no, your heart did point you there, but definitely God did not point you there. Well, here's the thing. If you are ever in a situation where somebody tells you to follow your heart, you never take advice from them again. No, you uh, you question them with a "Why do you hate me?" Yeah, it's like that period in the text. Oh, I thought we were friends until that. Now, now I think you're mad at me. Uh, you you never you never follow your heart because your heart is the most mis- misleading thing you will ever find besides a politician. You know, and I, I think these things that he saw in 1965, right, attacks on education, uh, the undermining of, of the family, you know, the erosion of moral integrity. But the media, right, The it, it's as if the devil controls controls mainstream media, if not all media, to this point. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. With and that. it's not just new because I've been watching when I was sick over the holidays, I, I didn't know what to watch. And so um, I watched 
I watched the, some episodes of of NYPD Blue, right? A show that came out in the 90s and it, it pushed the barriers, right? For language, for a network television. They said things you could never say. I was never, never allowed to watch that. No, and I, I was probably, I probably could have watched it, but I remember seeing one or two episodes if it was on. And, and I remember they showed like partial nudity. And I got through like, regardless of that, they were basically, they had a, a character on the show who left his wife and family because he was uh, he was in lust with somebody with a co-worker and then they got together and then he went back to his wife and they were like, it's, this is all okay. Like, so even it isn't just now, like we've been groomed for some of this stuff, you know, going back to the eighties, the seventies, the sixties, the nineties, like this has just been slowly, slowly, slowly. This isn't just happen overnight. Like, the devil's been working that stew slowly and adding ingredients and stirring, and it's on a low, low flame. Oh, absolutely. And that it's terrifying because if this is okay now, when my, when my kids are high school and in college, what's left? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I've, I just read some things about the, one of the, the largest, pornography website distributor probably in the world but definitely in america and how they're targeting how in their algorithm they know that their id check unless it's a state that forces a stringent id check they know their id check is just really a checkbox and they know that they know that they have a huge percentage of their um their users are tweens and teens mm -hmm. including that their ID check for people who are uploading, who are who are creating this stuff and uploading it to these sites, that those ID checks are basically just, there's no way to prove it. They're just sending pictures of a driver's license. And so they're putting um, basically child pornography on the platform. Yeah. Well, I'll look at social media. Like we're, we're pushing pornography if not child pornography through a lot of the major social media that we get human trafficking is huge on social media and we just take it and don't care and if we do care we don't do anything about it no and pornography has been normalized like what used to be prostitution they're now sex workers right which we have all this sort of orwellian newspeak where we've changed the language to make it justifiable, to make it good. You're right. The, the good is bad. Bad is good. Um, we just, we've kind of taken this way of, of just changing it. Um, and, you know, when we're in this, this culture of self and that the, the therapeutic, the therapeutic man, the, the, the sexual man, you know, is, is what becomes the genuine man or, or woman, um, or, you know, it just becomes, Ultimately, right, again, it, it's completely against against what God's plan was, what God wants for us. Um, and I guess, how do we stop it? Or I guess maybe we're never going to stop it, right? Because that's that's the Lord. The vengeance is the Lord's, and it's not going to stop until the seals are opened and read Revelation, and that's when all this will end. But I think there's ways to combat it, and we just... Um, I have a small group at church and we just went through uh, over the past few months, Carl Truman's the rise and triumph of the modern self and really talks a lot about this and the origins of, um, you know, the acceptance of pornography and, and what we're seeing with the rise of the LGBTQ um, movements and, and mafia, if you will. Um and and I honestly think that my my third way brothers aren't gonna like this answer, but I I really think it's to remain doctrinally sound and dogmatic. Like we need to dig our heels into the sand and continue to preach the traditional Orthodox God's word, not not made soft and fluffy for culture, not removing certain words from our statements of faith, 
Um, Because the church is guilty of this, too, because the devil's been running churches for quite a while now. Oh, absolutely. He has. But I do think that we have to just stick with the basics. Well, I think that scares a lot of people. Going back to the basics is terrifying. Well, it makes me you have you have society flowing down the river. Going to hell on a handbag. And then you have, you know, you're you're going you're going upstream. Well, yeah, and then, so one, you know, we're going to have to work harder. But two, you're going to look really stupid to those people who are going downstream. Well, that and and even go back to like to Jesus' words talking about the narrow path, right? The world is on this eight lane superhighway with neon signs and rest areas, and Who's the narrow that? path is a switchback with thorns what's, what's and thickets the... and God knows what else. What's the the old saying? It's it's ironic. There's a stairway to heaven, but a highway to hell. <laughs> right, and on that highway, it's hard to keep the keep between the ditches when the road winds the way it does. It's driving through Atlanta, is what it is. Oh, that is hell. <laughs> driving through Atlanta is hell. Um, all this I, I was thinking makes me think of uh, what Paul writes. In, in Romans and um, you know, in a lot of Bibles, it's got a subtitle of basically like the righteous shall live by faith in Romans one. And in verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. And everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but in 17 for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Absolutely. And that, that, as it is written, um, if you want a little Bible study, um, what Paul's taking is he's really referencing Habakkuk 2, verse 4. And Habakkuk 2, verse 4 really is the biblical basis for, and it is the summary of, you know, that indicates that the, the way of justification by faith alone was already known um, for years before the incarnation of Christ. That's good stuff. So keep on keeping on as, as Andy said a few episodes back, right. Or we can just, uh, we can just push that down. They keep on trucking. Um, just keep on doing what you're doing. Um, be in the word, you know, if you're a believer, um, be in the words, Open God's word, pray before you read it, to have them give you new eyes, new ears, a new heart to understand what his word is. And just because um, the best way that you're going to avoid temptation and it's out there, the temptation's real because you're, we may not have martyrdom, like really a, a martyrdom of death yet in this country for believers, but there's social death. There's going to be economic death. There's going to be, you know, you're going to lose friends if you haven't already. You're going to you're going to lose friends and family. You may lose your job. You may lose your social standing. You may lose everything. Um, but ultimately, right, if you're sealed by God, doesn't mean you're going to not go through pain, but you will not face the pains of judgment on that last day. No, and I think that's important to remember, too. Um. So what's your what's your final thoughts on the if I were the devil? I can't say what I really want to say because I'm getting a lot of trouble. But I think again, and I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. Some no Nostradamus level stuff, man. To be again, 1965. It's 2024, and it's like it was written. For us. And and if you go back to like, if you think back to history of the 60s, there was some trouble that was going down. Kennedy had been assassinated, but it hadn't really hit the fan yet culturally, right? Like till 1967 when everything was on fire and, you know, the 1968 uh, the political conventions and the, the the a very tumultuous election year, 1968, right? And then the, the assassination of Robert Kennedy and, and Martin Luther King and, and all that stuff that was really thrown into turmoil. I mean, we're in the midst of a, a 
pretty tumultuous election year. Oh, I mean, it's the day after New Hampshire. Let's just say, let's just call it the primary season is over. Yeah, ain't even got started yet. It's over. There's no reason for Super Tuesday this year. Just call them off. Go ahead and give the delegates. Save the money. You know they're going to. I mean, in my state, they're already mailing the ballots. Just save the money. You, you, you. I'm sure every state can use that money for good use. So, and I, I'm also going to tell you this. Oh. You're going to hear things in the media about people, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, right? What I'm going to say could could go directly towards Trump, could go directly towards President Biden, could go directly toward Nikki Haley, RFK, like any of them, right? Insert politician here. You're going to hear things in the media about these politicians, about how bad they are for your family, about how bad they are for your pocket, about how bad they are for society, and about how horrible of a person they are. Maybe don't take the media's word for gospel truth. Maybe do your own research. Well, I'd say this. If the media said that, that's a true statement for each and every one of them. No, obviously. Like, there is no good choice. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, do do your own research. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, uh, and if your pastor is telling you to vote for somebody in particular, maybe don't listen to them either. No, and I, I talked about voting from the pulpit Sunday, right? This past Sunday. I think Sunday, it's perfectly fine to talk about voting. Yeah. But we're not endorsing. No, this past Sunday, uh, I preached on Sanctification on Life Sunday, and I basically said this. Don't vote like a Democrat. Don't vote like a Republican. Vote like a Christian. If you Say it again. Fo- if you are a follower of Christ, vote like a Christian. And chances are... If you're truly going to vote like a Christian, you might not see any Democrats or Republicans in that. Amen. A to the men. And I had some visitors. I think that's the inciting incident. I had some visitors this Sunday and they came up to me after and I said, well, um, we're not coming back. It's nothing you said. We're just not coming back. Which it's nothing you said to a pastor is it's everything for, I said. It's everything that you said, sir. And I, I think that could be it. It was that statement. Or if I, knowing what else you said, I would, I would lean toward that being it. <laughs> All right, Landy. Well, tell us again where you can check out our friends at Saint Gogano. Well, St. Galgano, it's uh, stgalganoarmory.etsy.com. Um, check out their fine merchandise. Get get yourself one of those, um, some of that blacksmith apparel like Andy wears sometimes. I'm a little jealous. Going to have to get me some of that. Um, you can check them out on social media. Um, X and, and TikTok, they're at St. Galgano Armory. Instagram is at St. underscore galgano underscore armory uh, you can connect with us on social media at hill hipster pod uh, email us um reach out to us and, and tell us what you think about this it, what this monologue from 1965 how it relates to today uh what are your thoughts um and you can email us hill at gmail.com uh, the wife show is coming up we're going to record the wife show and so if you have any questions um, for our wives about Andy and myself, uh, feel free to hit us up on on the the sociables I can't, or email. I can't speak for Miss McCool. I can speak for Doctor Wife. I, I think she is she's actually excited about this um, for a multitude of reasons. One, just to see our process and or lack thereof. Um, but no, she's she's pretty excited about this. I'm pretty excited. I think um, mine also, is. My wife's excited. I'm also pretty too. nervous. Yeah, my wife's excited to too. She's seen the process probably more than Doctor Wife has. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. She's probably seen it more times, but yeah. I bet Doctor Wife has a clear grasp because she's, you know, lived in the same town with both of us together. True, <laughs> and 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 heard the precursor podcast of our conversations. Um, uh, yeah, so she she knows. God love her, but no, yeah. So that's coming up. We're pretty excited. Uh, we've got some other guests that we're lining up to to have on as well. And so in my my producing, I'm 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 gonna send you 
I, I figured out a way is I'm going to uh, rent Rocky for you on Amazon and you have to watch it and we're going to have an entire Rocky episode. Are we going to do that when you're here? Uh, we could do that or um, or you could do it on your own. Either do I way. get to pick? Do I get to pick the Rocky or you no? It has to Rocky? be the first one. It has to be the first okay. one. Okay. Yeah, I've never. Okay. The other, the others don't. It's the first one. Is that the one with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T? No, that's Rocky Three. Sad day. You can watch that after. You have to watch them in order, but you have to watch the first one. Do you have to pay to rent it? It's got to be somewhere where I can stream it for free. I mean, I own like a couple of copies of it, but no, you have to pay to rent it. it, it that'd be the easiest way. I don't think you could stream it for free. You can't watch it with commercials. I don't know. I don't have any streaming services. I'll check before you before you pay for it. Let me check. All right. So what's your last? Well, you were talking. I interrupted you. We got some guests lined up or potential guests lined up. Yeah, we have some uh, potential guests lined up um, over a, a myriad of different topics. Um, so if there's something that you want to hear us discuss or you would like to um, give us a topic that we can find a guest to bring in who maybe specializes in that a little more and who's a little more coherent in their thoughts than what we are when we're together, um, yeah, definitely hit us up on social media or email. Let us know and we can we can get those worked in Um and we're, again, I, I say this a lot. We're just grateful that you have cozied up next to this dumpster fire with us and have come along for the ride because we we legit have a lot of fun with this. And I know that some of our, our topics and, and hot takes are a little controversial um, on one side or the other. Um, and that's OK. I don't um, spew I, any controversy whatsoever. Do you know how many times you've gotten me in trouble? I spew truth. I didn't say the truth isn't controversial, sir. But uh, but yeah, we we have a lot of fun with this. Uh, I know there are times that it doesn't sound like we take it serious or that we put effort into this. We do. Oh, we do. We do. Um, you know, you can't be this moronic just on on the cuff. Speak for yourself, right? there's, sir. There's there's, there's got to be some work put into it. Uh, I'm not as think as you dumb I am. So. Um, we just we appreciate the heck out of you and are and are happy to have you as part of the the nation of dumpster fire. Do you have Netflix? Yeah. Oh, so you you're gonna be able to watch Monday Night Raw? Well, duh. Since they they're it's going to Netflix, I don't see how that's gonna work. But I, I'm I'm a little confused. And are they taking? The WWE Network off of Peacock to put it all on Netflix? Just Raw. Or am I going to have to pay for both? Just Raw. You're going to have to pay for both. I mean, we're paying for both anyway, but yeah, anyway, yeah. That, that annoys me. You're going to have to pay for both. They should just bring it all and put it all together. Well, they did, didn't they? Did they? And then they sold. Well, I guess if you parse it out, it's more money. I don't know. It annoys me. One all, way all the thing is like, don't do cable anymore. It's too expensive. And now you're paying, you know, $450 a month for every streaming service under the sun. Ridiculous. All right. Well, it's been, it's been swell. It's been swell, Andy. You're a real square. Thanks, Papa Chad. <laughs> You're a, a humdinger of a fella. <laughs> All right. Well, be blessed. And remember, if not a Christian nation, whose nation and we know where that's going because with not a Christian nation, it's going to be the devil's nation. Well, it may already be there. Where's the record button to stop it? <laughs>